This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Good morning and welcome to The Garden Show on Zoomer Radio. I am Dean Holland. And how are you this morning, Charlie Dobbin? Oh, I'm just tired of winter. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I it was had that glorious, glorious feeling just two mornings ago. I stepped out and I thought, ah, that's that spring smell. Yeah. And now we're under a, we're under a snow squall watch again this morning, and it's snowing <laughs> up here in the Collingwood area. It's like, come on. Well, we're still very white where I am in the county, but um, you know, this is the winter that just keeps on giving. It's yeah. uh, doesn't want to leave. <laughs> the under, I called it the dance all winter long. It seems to have danced on either side of zero, a yeah. little bit above, a little bit below, a little bit above. I mean, we have it just seems to be that way. And uh, the conversation I have to say is on a lot of people's lips. I have talked to a lot of people this week who have been talking about the same thing and the fact that either yeah, looking on their gardens. I've had a lot of people say, oh, my goodness, my flowers are coming up. My tulips are coming up. Mm-hmm. Some are worried. Some are not. Um, what's I know your take on it is that the smart the flowers are pretty smart, you know, things. Don't worry, don't worry. I mean, unless well, actually, I have photographs of April hmm, 2018, maybe 19, where mid April I had all kinds of blooming uh, bulbs, I had irises and tulips and all these things blooming, and we had quite a heavy snowfall. <laughs> so okay. I took photos of all these beautiful little perky flowers poking up out of the snow. And of course, the next day I took another picture and 90% of the snow had melted because it was April after all. Right. But yeah, the flowers can withstand, you know, these early, early spring bloomers, they can withstand pretty extreme um, temperatures. And the worst thing that can happen is you get a little bit of frost damage, but the plants will not die. Gotcha. Well, the best thing can happen that can happen is that we get lots of callers with lots of great questions on the show today. And I am looking forward to another hour with you because I always learn tons. And uh, I'm, we're going to open up the phone lines uh, just before we go to our commercial break. Uh, the number, if you are a Toronto resident, is 416-360-0740. Or if you live outside Toronto, anywhere in the province of Ontario, it is a toll-free number. It is one 866 740 Four seven forty, and of course, uh, we want you to let uh, our producer Carlos know if you are a first-time caller. And of course, I will give you the beloved and well-earned uh, garden wings. Uh, please call often. Please call early, and one question per call, please. Uh, so, unless you have anything else, Charlie, we'll go to our first break. Let's do okay. that. Let's do that. We will be right back with much more on the Garden Show. Happy birthday to you. Hey. Bye. Where's mom going? She hasn't even opened her presents. Well, son, she just turned 65, which means there's new offers for her at Specsavers. What? Yep, an eye exam now costs her nothing, and she can get 30% off lens upgrades with any pair of glasses. Wow. So, can we cut the cake now? You betcha. No-cost eye exams are for eligible seniors at all participating locations with costs covered by provincial health care. Conditions apply. See specsavers.ca. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. 
This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yes, indeed, we are back on The Garden Show, and uh, yeah, gardening is in the air. Yes, indeed, the, uh, <laughs> the numbers to call, uh, 416-360-0740 or 1-866-740-4740. And uh, folks, we've got lots of room open on the line, so give us a call. Indoor gardening question, outdoor gardening question. And you wanted to uh, send out a little reminder as well here, didn't you, uh, Charlie? Well, it's interesting you just said gardening is in the air and it just started to snow at my house. But <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's water. They're just they're just doing your watering for you, right? I guess. And of course, you know, we, we know we know in our hearts spring is coming. So there are some events going on. I just want to remind people I'm happy to announce um, events that are going on. If you'd like me to, you just have to email me in advance. Uh, Katie Fullerton sent me an email reminding you to mark on your calendars next Saturday, March 25th, between 11 and 4 p.m. The Scarborough CD Saturday and Green Fair is going on. And this is a this is a big deal. This is Scarborough's, you know, headline spring has sprung event. It uh, this fair has over 50 exhibitors heirloom seed vendors, seed exchange, gardening booths, uh, environmental organizations, green living ideas and answers to your growing questions. So that's next Saturday, uh, like I said, 11 to 4 at the St. John Henry Newman High School, which is 100 Brimley Road South, just south of Kingston Road. So down at the south end of Scarborough. They are on Facebook. If you want to check into this, just go to facebook.com events. And of course, they would be Three S's, S-S-S-G Fair. So Scarborough CD Saturday and Green Fair. Okay, sounds good. Right. Um, we uh, we do actually have a caller on the line. Wait, so, wait I forgot oh. to say I forgot to yeah, say yeah. Sorry, yeah, it's, your, it's, it's your show. You go right ahead. <laughs> well, no, I started by saying, you know, feel free to email me if you want oh, right, to, right. any kind put me to announce your announce, announce your events. My email address is my first initial C dot last name Dobbin, D-O-B-B-I-N. So C dot Dobbin at mzmedia.com. I should have done that. I apologize. I should have given your email out. So, but it's, you know, it's, it's nine o'clock on a Saturday morning. So, <laughs> there we are. Actually, you know what? Uh, I, uh, I love this time of day and I love this time of year. I know of, uh, that's the comment. There's a lot of people that don't like this time of year because it's mucky, you yeah. know? So, yeah. but I, uh, and I think we've talked about this. I love this time of year because it is mucky because I know what's coming. I know what is around the corner. And so I always get a little bit giddy around this time of year. So, <laughs> Let's uh, let's see if there our first caller uh, feels the same way. We have uh, Diane on the line from Mississauga. Welcome to the Garden Show, Diane. Hi, I'm enjoying your show every week. I just think this is a great show, and you guys are doing a good job. So I, I give you a little tap on the on the shoulder for the start of the the show today. Woohoo! <laughs> um, I'm I'm bringing my things out from um, the cold storage, my bulbs, my dahlia bulbs, and whatnot, and I have a very large. I mean, it's got to be about oh, I want to say five, five inches round um, begonia, tuberous begonia that I've had for years and years and years. And I've been tra- I've been planting it every year. And last year, I noticed it really had a lot of main stems coming out of it. And I want to know whether or not I can break that bulb up and still get some 
uh, growth off of it. I'm afraid to do it because I, I don't want it to rot. It's so old and it was gorgeous last year. You know what? You're absolutely correct. Like a tuberous begonia bulb is like a cup shaped. Um, so it's concave. And when we plant it, the the um, bowl, if you will, is facing up to the sky. And it's all around the edges of the rim of the bowl where you'll start to get your growth. And you can propagate that. But I'm going to just, it's been so long since I tried to propagate a tuberous begonia. I'll come back later after a break here is going to do a quick uh, search so i can tell you exactly how to do this because it is a bit scary you could they could rot if they're not treated properly yeah i know i had i had three of them and they they were all the same size so uh one of them last year i guess the squirrels got hungry and dug it up and you know just took like a little bite out of it and then threw it threw it away put it aside and i i planted it again and it just it rotted it i i lost the whole thing Hmm. Yeah, well, the, it is, it's a very fleshy um, corm, if you will, and it, it 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 can rot if the water sits on the, the bulb, or the, it's actually a tuber, um, if water sits on it, or if it's constantly wet, or it doesn't get sufficient air circulation, they can rot. So that's why when we, you're going to, I'm just going to double check this, but we, ultimately, you're going to slice it all up. And when you slice it, you're going to open up wounds and that's where rot can enter into the tuber. Yeah. So that's why I just want to make sure I, I tell you exactly how to do this properly. But um, yeah, yeah. Okay. no worries. Okay. It's uh, good for you. And always worth keeping tubers, begonia bulbs or tubers because you pay quite a lot for them and they just get bigger and bigger. So the plants just get better and better if you can hold them like you, you have in cold storage for the winter. Yeah. So good I'm, for you. I'm surprised I've okay, been able so- to keep it. Yeah. <laughs> So, Diane and Charlie, I know, Charlie, you're going to look that up. We will address that uh, before the end of the show, Diane. I have to take a I have to take a break now. So we'll let you go. Uh, be, but uh, we will be right back with much more on The Garden Show. OK, thank you. Happy birthday to you. Hey, Bye. where's mom going? She hasn't even opened her presents. Well, son, she just turned 65, which means there's new offers for her at Specsavers. What? Yep, an eye exam now costs her nothing, and she can get 30% off lens upgrades with any pair of glasses. Wow. So, can we cut the cake now? You betcha. No-cost eye exams are for eligible seniors at all participating locations with costs covered by provincial health care. Conditions apply. See specsavers.ca. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yes, we are back here on The Garden Show. The numbers to call, because I have lots of room on the line, is 416-360-0740 or toll-free 1-866-740-4740. Yeah, don't be shy. Uh, you know, you know, Charlie Dobbins, not scary at all. She's just a very clever woman and knows a whole lot about gardening. And, uh, have you been even, what was that? I don't know everything. That's for sure. Well, you know what? There's, there's lots to know though. I mean, I'm, there's so many variables, uh, even when you're talking about seeds and I'll, I have a question about seeds in a moment, um, or, and a comment because, you know, just <laughs> chat during the week about gardening to different people. But, uh, do you have, you want to, uh, sort of add something about these, uh, these tubers that we were talking about? Right. So Diane, who I'm sure is still listening, called about 
tuberous begonia, the fact that she's got a very large tuber and she'd like to propagate it and have small tubers. And I said something about cutting it apart and I'm completely wrong. <laughs> Unlike potato tubers, we do not cut begonia tubers into little pieces. <clears throat> okay. Okay. You just run the risk of rot. It's too high of a risk. You can lose them all if you start chopping up that tuber. So believe it or not, as the tuber gets bigger and bigger, and as Diane plants it, you know, wakes it up, it's been dormant all in a cold storage all winter. She's going to put it into some well-drained media, just um, planting it on the surface, basically. And little green uh, stems are going to start to grow. The, um, the bottom line, the most common way to propagate tuberous begonias is to root cuttings. So what will happen as those little stems start to grow up off of the tuber, uh, you can thin out the stems when they're about three inches tall. And by doing that, because she mentioned as the tuber's getting bigger and bigger, she's ending up with more and more stems. So of course, back when they're still young, still in the house, they're not outside yet, they're in a pot, you can remove um, about three inch tall cuttings and then uh, sometimes people will take a, a little sharp razor blade and cut a small piece of the tuber attached to each of those shoots to increase the chances of rooting that stem. But then again, you're wounding the tuber, so there's that cost-benefit analysis you got to do. Um, so before you take the cuttings, prepare what's called a, a forsyth pot in which to root them. So this is very interesting, forsyth, F-O-R-S-Y. T-H-E, and this is from the extension um, education from the University of Minnesota. An unglazed, two to three inch unglazed clay pot, cork the drainage hole in the bottom, fill a 10 inch plastic pot with vermiculite, put the clay pot down into the vermiculite inside the plastic pot so they're level, and there should be a, a three inch wide ring of vermiculite around the clay pot, moisten the vermiculite, fill the clay pot with water, Cut the stems to be rooted and insert them into the moist vermiculite. It's a great idea, actually. Put this whole thing into a clear plastic bag. Fasten the top of the bag to keep the air out and the cuttings humid. So you're creating like a little mini greenhouse. And those begonia cuttings are in that vermiculite that's being moistened from that clay pot in the center. Set the pot in a warm place with bright indirect light, no direct light, otherwise you're setting up an oven. And a warm place, I've had great success with a heating pad on a very on the lowest possible heat and uh, makes a real difference to the growth of, of young plants. And um, yeah, so you never have to do any water and you just leave it alone for two to four weeks and then you've got rooted cuttings and you're good to go. And if Diane is successful getting a bunch of more begonias, at the end of this growing season, she'll have small tubers to uh, harvest and then again, uh, put them away for the winter. And before you know it, she's going to be in the tuberous begonia business. Well, wow, that sounds like quite the process, but very interesting. <laughs> yeah. and, what's in and what's interesting is that there are other things that we talk about on the show that you can literally open your door, throw them out onto the garden and they will grow and you yeah. have to do nothing. You know. Like dandelions. <laughs> yeah, like, like dandelions. Oh, I just had a shiver shut go out my spine. <laughs> dandelions. Wow. Okay. Very good. So I hope that is helpful for you, Diane. I'm sure it is. It sounds like, uh, actually, I like things like that. It's kind of fun, you know, dig in and it's, yes. a, it's a challenge. It's a project. 
Yeah, yeah, right? for sure. Sometimes it's fun to try new projects. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, let's go to our let's go to our next caller. We have uh, Stephanie on the line. She's calling from Toronto, and she is a first time caller. Welcome to the Garden Show, Stephanie. Thank you. There you go. There are your garden wings. <laughs> Thanks very much. You earned um, them. I- Oh, I did already. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You just have to call in to be a first-time caller, and you get them. Awesome. Um, I have a question for you, Charlie. And my question is regarding canna lilies. Um, No, not canna lilies. Sorry. Um, Yeah. No, cannas. Um, I've been growing cannas um, for a number of years, and most of the time they were the typical red ones. And I would in the fall, cut them back and clean up the rhizome and put it away over winter in a cool, dark um, storage in a box just wrapped in newspaper. I've gone from the red to yellow and orange cannas, and the rhizomes are much smaller. And I've done the same process, cleaning them off and, and um, storing them away in newspaper in a, in a box. But mm-hmm. I notice when I go to pull them out, the yellow-orange ones don't really survive. The red ones do because the rhizomes are so much bigger. Mm. Is there a way to get a better return on the ones that um, will survive through the winter? Okay, so this is a good question, but it actually brings up something that we see in many species of plants. The original canna lily was red, and right. so they are, tend to be very easy to grow. And as you point out, the rhizomes are huge. You know, you can start with kind of a squidgy little one, and in three or four years, you've got a whole field of cannas because they are just they're, – they're big and vigorous, and they grow fast, and they withstand overwintering in our basements. Mm-hmm. However, you get into some of the fancy ones, the yellows and the oranges and pinks, uh, they have been more highly bred and selected, and they're not nearly as tough or vigorous. So they're smaller and a little more finicky when it comes to overwintering. But as far as I know, unless there's somebody listening who has, and there might be um, somebody who's listening right now who would like to call in with any tips or techniques that they've used to help with, um, you know, just ensuring that the uh, viability of the the oranges and yellows happy to hear from you because certainly like 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 you said i've had super easy success with the red ones but not so easy success with some of the oranges and yellows yeah Um, and sounds like you know what you're doing you know you're doing the right thing okay yeah and i mean i'm trying to save them because yellow oranges are quite expensive to buy if you're buying you know every year um and they only survive through the summer and that's it so um yeah if if anybody has an answer to it i would certainly like to hear you know what what options there are to keep these things alive um what with the ones what um media have you been you just putting them in a box with what peat moss or or what have you been doing with it i'm not using peat moss i'm just wrapping them in a lot of newspaper um, mm. And putting them in a box. I see. And you and they're not being subjected to any frost. Obviously, they're in your basement. To any what? There's no frost damage. Like they're no, you're not out no. in the garage. No, no, they're in a in a creepy space, like in a crawl space. <laughs> and I even put a cover over them. So if we do get you know minus twenty degrees outside, they're insulated. And there's no frost in the crawl space at all. It's cool, 
Yeah. But there's no frost. Um, yeah, just looking here quickly. The, one other thing, and this will make a difference, is where we cure the rhizomes. So after the first frost in the fall, and you mm-hmm. all the foliage has turned to brown mush, and you cut that all back, and with your digging fork, you dig up all these tubers, um, they do need to dry down before they go into storage. So I assume yeah. you put them in a uh, you know, garage or a porch or something for at least a couple of days. The soil needs to dry a bit uh, and the actual rhizomes need to toughen up, up a bit before you wrap them in newspaper. Yes. I, after I wash them, I put them on my deck and let them dry in the sun for, you know, whatever days are left. So <laughs> I never wash them. into the box. Yeah, I would be. I would not recommend washing, because oh, you do okay. certainly encourage rot by having the high moisture level. It's right. it's more about raising them out of the ground, laying them out on newspapers until the soil dries a bit, and then with your fingers just gently rubbing off uh, any of that soil, it, okay. it shake it off, uh, cut off any foliage, anything that's still attached. But and you can even divide your clumps at that point. But I would not um, wash them. Okay, so I Personally. won't wash them next time. All right. Yeah, uh, and okay. when you're storing them, make sure. Well, you're wrapping them individually, so they're not touching each other because that's important as well. Um, mm-hmm. uh, when I've kept them over the winter, I have put them into uh, like a dry media, like a vermiculite or a peat moss. Uh, around, like even around the the rhizomes a little bit inside the newspaper, but it's dry, and it's okay. just to to sort of keep them a little bit, uh, so they're not so shocked that they're with just newspaper. <laughs> okay. Well, the one thing I did not do is wrap them individually. I just put you know all the yellows together and kind of group mm-hmm. them so they are touching each other. So maybe that's not right that's because you know why. Well. As soon as one has a little bit of rot, they all have it. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. There you go. There it is. That's that's the tip. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you so much, Charlie. Love your show. (laughs) Yeah, thank you very much for the uh, call, Stephanie. And don't be a stranger. There you go. Yeah. And that is why we ask Charlie Dobbin. That's so interesting to me. I I sit here and I I listen to all of this. I watch and (laughs) I see your wheels turning. And eventually, through enough conversation, yeah, you get to what the problem is most likely the, the case. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's, it, it's We always say one question per caller, but then I always ask the caller about 10 questions. <laughs> sure, yeah. Now, how, how big would these rhizomes be? How Typically, oh, how would they be? Well, the reds, well, if you don't divide them, they're, they're, they can be the size of, um, you know, a Sasquatch foot. <laughs> like, really? Big. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But that's why when you lift them in the fall, they're just too unwieldy to, to package up and put away. Sometimes we don't save them all because we've got so much or we divide them up at that point. And again, when we're dividing, we're slicing, we're wounding, we're opening up the tissue to... Uh, any kind of um, disease organisms. So lots of drying out, dry out the wounds before we store. Of course. Okay, let's go to our next caller. We have, uh, we're going to Chatham now. Uh, We have Barbara on the line. Welcome to the Garden Show, Barbara. Thank you so much. Um, We have on the north side of our house um, a narrow bed. It's 30 inches or two Sasquatch feet wide, deep. Um, <laughs> anyways, it's, um, it's, um, it's getting hotter and hotter, and this little section mm-hmm. doesn't get sun until about 1 p.m., but then it gets it until whatever sun is left in that day. And uh, the house is white. It's next to a concrete path. 
And we've tried irises in there, and then we just wanted irises somewhere else. We had hostas in there last year, and they got so washed out in color and faded, and you couldn't see the definition between green and white or whatever varieties we had there. And so we're going to move those out, and we'd like tips on now. Um, I mean, maybe we can put some cactus in. Like, I, I don't know what to put there. It's so hot. Right. Well, so what happened to your hostas is they got sunburned. Yeah. So late, like the the afternoon sun is the hottest sun compared to the morning. So sounds like you've got just that happening. And and like you said, it's a narrow bed. So uh, if possible, how is the soil in that bed? Is it do you supplement it with, you know, composted manure or homemade compost or anything like that? Yes, as we plant anywhere on the property, we do we introduce compost and better soil anywhere we're planting. Because mm-hmm. irises would be a good choice. They are, you know, obviously very drought tolerant, handle the sun, a um, little bit short lived in terms of their flowering. So that's the only, for me, the drawback on irises is they're great for about three days. <laughs> then they're just a bunch of green stems. Um, we, we, tough plants. A- there are ever blooming daylilies that would grow there. They uh, sedum. We talked about sedum last week. Sedum as a ground cover or sedum as a, a taller plant. Autumn Glory is one of the names that comes to mind. Catnip. Catnip's a great one in the, in the heat. There's one called Walker's Low that I love. It doesn't attract cats, um, but it blooms so for such a long time in the summer, and it loves the heat, loves the, the, the well-drained soil. Russian sage might be bigger than what you want because it'll grow up to two and a half feet tall, but um, Russian sage is a great one, again, in a hot spot. Black-eyed Susans would probably even make it in there because they're pretty pretty tough and resilient. So I would just look look for you know what kind of color you're looking for, what kind of height you're looking for. Um, texture obviously matters. And how long is that? Thirty inches wide. How long is that bed? Uh, probably about eighty feet. Fifty oh, well. feet. Yeah, about fifty feet. <laughs> Yeah, so that's big. So, so we, we were thinking yeah, because, of Sedum. I mean, ideally in the winter, uh, there's very little places to put snow, and ideally something that dies back. So um, the um, daylilies um, are an option, right? Um, yeah. Sedums, of course, would be there all winter. The catnip, what does that do in the winter? Uh, same thing. These are all herbaceous perennials, so we can you can leave them up for the winter and then <clears throat> cut back in the spring or... If you need a place to put snow, you can cut back in the fall. Same with the sedum. You could cut them back in the fall. Um, yeah, it's such a huge um, amount of space there. Um, I love zinnias, and zinnias do great in hot, sunny locations. And, of course, they would die back because they're annuals. But you would yeah. need quite a lot of zinnias to fill a space like that. Well, we have um, a greenhouse, so maybe we can work on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and they're not hard to grow from seed. Zinnia seeds yeah, come no, up pretty nicely in here in Chatham. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for your time. Keep up with the great work. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for the call, there, Barbara. Yeah, it's uh, interesting. Some places around the uh, houses are are tricky. We have we have one in front of on the uh, north side of our house, which hardly gets any sun, and it's right below a window. And it's uh, and and I've struggled there as to over the years what to plant because it doesn't get enough light for a lot of things. And so we've right now we've got mint growing in there, which at least gives us some green along the white. But you know, and it keeps it contained as well yeah, because sure. of course spearmint can take over an entire property. Exactly. That's the thing. So it's a good that's a good choice in there because <clears throat> mint will grow anywhere. <clears throat> right. Okay. 
Yeah, so it's it's it gives us a green little flash again under the window against. We also have a white brick house, and so it. it but for a long time, we struggled as to what to put there. Did you ever try hostas? Uh, we have hostas. It's it's too narrow of a space. It's it's oh. less. It's like about a foot from the wall. So it's the hostas we have elsewhere. My wife, that's one of her favorites. She adores her hostas, and uh, yeah, we divide them up and put them in different places. They like a little more shade, right? Yeah. Yeah, so. depending. There are some varieties of hosta that can withstand a fair amount of sun, but gotcha. generally speaking, they all do well in the shade. In the shade. Okay. Uh, have to take a, we have to pause, take a short, uh, short uh, break for some great messages, uh, but we'll be right back with much more on The Garden Show. Happy birthday to you. Hey, Bye. where's mom going? She hasn't even opened her presents. Well, son, she just turned 65, which means... There's new offers for her at Specsavers. What? Yep, an eye exam now costs her nothing, and she can get 30% off lens upgrades with any pair of glasses. Wow. So, can we cut the cake now? You betcha. No-cost eye exams are for eligible seniors at all participating locations with costs covered by provincial health care. Conditions apply. See specsavers.ca. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yes, we are back here on The Garden Show. Our numbers to call, 416-360-0740 or toll-free 1-866-740-4740. Charlie, we're jumping to the other side of the border. We're going to our neighbors of the south. We have a caller from Buffalo, New York. Welcome to the show, Michelle. Yes, good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Very happy to have you, yeah. Thank you. I wanted to share my canna lily story with the lady that called previously. Um, 23 years ago, when I started my garden, I didn't really know what I was doing. So when the fall came, I cut the canna lilies back to about two feet, got some free cardboard boxes from the liquor store, and just dug them out of the ground and put them in the box with soil still around the bulb. Shook some of the loose soil off, but basically put them all then, like all 12 boxes in the basement with the soil. And usually around December or January, I'd go down there with a couple gallons of water and just throw a little bit of water on them. And then when I bring them up in the spring, usually the soil is so dry around the bulb that it just crumbles off. And then I plant them back into new soil. And I've had great success with that. Wow. That's different. I know there's (laughs) so much. I even do my dahlia bulbs like that, leave them in the soil and put them in a box and then water them in the winter. And I had no idea until I started listening to your show that there was so much involved in properly storing your bulb. Um, well, I mean, you can, or you, I mean, you're obviously having success, so it's great. Mm-hmm. With the soil attached, the garden soil attached to the, to the tubers that you're bringing into your house, have you ever found you've brought in, um, you know, sow bugs, um, Whatever worms, any any little critters come in with the with the canna roots and the soil attached. Not that I've really noticed, and I don't have a finished basement. It's a very rudimentary basement, and it's very it's a little bit damp at most times. So I've never really noticed bugs upstairs as a result of having all the plants downstairs all these years. Yeah, and and you know what? It's a lot. What you're suggesting is a lot easier as well. Um, the idea of mm-hmm. and um, calla lilies are a good example. Dahlias, like you said, 
if you're growing them in pots for the summer uh, as a beautiful, you know, container garden or whatever, you're right. You don't need to actually lift them up out of the pots. <clears throat> if you can transport the, the bulb or the tuber in the pot into your cool, dark basement or wherever you're going with it, it's so much easier. You know, you don't have mm -hmm. to unpot them if they're already in pots. Just leave them in the pot, put them in the dark, the cool, and forget about them. And like you said, mm -hmm. throw a little water on them on occasion just so they don't die mm -hmm. from lack of water. So good tips, yes. yeah. I do that with the geraniums too, leave them in the pots. I pull them out April, May. They look absolutely horrible, brown, dead, <laughs> stocky, and within a month they're all growing again. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Good. You you epitomize oh. the lazy gardener. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I just it. didn't know any better is what it was. So I was thinking <laughs> the lady that has the yellow, pink, and orange cannabulbs, maybe because they are so tender, if she just put them in soil and put them in the basement and then gave them a little bit of water so they would still go dormant, but yet they wouldn't be starving without soil around them, maybe that would help her, you know, re bring them back in the spring. Maybe. Good ideas. Thanks so much for calling. Yeah, Thank thanks. Thanks so much. so much for the call, Michelle. That's uh, that really neat. Really, really neat. Um, let's uh, go right now, just because now the phone lights, of course, are lighting up. And so let's go to uh, let's go to Carol in Waterdown. Hi there. Morning. Hey, how are you, Carol? I'm doing good. Thank you. Um, I have a question about uh, some seeds that have been given to me. Uh, some are poppies and some are coleus. And I've had them in like a paper bags over the winter, but I don't know how to prepare them for, you know, growing this spring. What kind of poppies are they? Do you know? Are they perennial or annual? I think they're perennial. Uh, well, I, I know they are because I know where I got them from. Okay. Uh, yeah. Well... Um, did you want to try and start those seeds inside or did you want to just scatter them outside? You'd have I was, it'd be I was better to scatter them. Yeah, it's easier to scatter them, but it's harder to be successful unless you've got a really good spot planned for them. The coleus should come up. Coleus, interesting. You got coleus seeds. Usually, coleus is propagated by cuttings because there's so many beautiful colors, right? Yes, yes. Uh, well, seeds will not necessarily look like the parents they came from. But, um, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I would um, get going on both the poppies and the coleus now if you wanted to plant them indoors. And it's just seed-starting mix, moistened. Um, both of these are tiny seeds, and they're sown virtually on the surface of the soil. Um, okay. And warmth. If you can provide some warmth below the seeds, you will have okay. better germination. Once they start to grow, then they need light. And uh, then, by the time we're frost-free, you harden them up, harden them off by toughen them up to be ready to go outside. Um, poppies, like either of those should germinate fairly easily. It's just a matter of giving them the, uh, you know, the environment in which it'll encourage the blooming. If you don't want to do it inside, Wait until we're a little closer to this winter that's never ending. So wait till probably mid-April, and then I would I would sow them outside directly where you want them to grow. Okay, okay. okay. And, and I can just scatter them. I don't have to bury them, so, so to speak. No, pretend you're Mother Nature. What Mother Nature does not does not cover those seeds. Those okay. poppies, particularly, they <clears throat> they emerge from the uh, from the 
it's so cool. I love the way poppy seeds, um, how they look after the poppies are finished, the the vessel that the seeds are in, and they just get the winds. They're tiny seeds, mm-hmm. and wind just scatters them. They land on the surface of the soil, and they grow. Yes, yes, they do. Yeah, they they really travel, don't they? Yeah. Uh, a friend has okay, there you in the garden. Okay, thank you very yeah. much for your help. Yeah, yeah, thanks. Yeah, thanks for the call. Yeah, there. Good luck. Let us know how that works out. So many different ways to plant things. Uh, Charlie, have to take another break. We have James on the line. We have Sam on the line. We will try and get both of those in when we return here on The Garden Show. Happy birthday to you. Hey, where's mom going? She hasn't even opened her presents. Well, son, she just turned 65, which means there's new offers for her at Specsavers. What? Yep, an eye exam now costs her nothing, and she can get 30% off lens upgrades with any pair of glasses. Wow. So... Can we cut the cake now? You betcha. No-cost eye exams are for eligible seniors at all participating locations with costs covered by provincial health care. Conditions apply. See specsavers.ca. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. We are back here on The Garden Show and... Uh, We'll uh, jump right back into our callers. We have uh, James on the line, who is calling from Etobicoke. Welcome to the Garden Show, James. Good morning, Dean. Good morning, Charlotte. Good morning. Oh, wow. I think I know who this is. Congratulations (laughs) on your great gardening show, Charlotte. Thank you so much, James. (laughs) Nice to hear your voice. Um, Yeah, I recognize yours, too. (laughs) Okay, Listen, I've had no success with roses for myself or for any of my landscape clients. Uh, we, to the point we don't plant them anymore. What's the best soil for roses? Wow. I'm surprised you're saying that. I mean, there's so many different kinds of roses. The best soil, in a general sense, mm-hmm. is well-drained and fertile. So that means it should be a loamy soil, but it's got a it, drainage is so important. Roses do not ever want to sit in a you never plant them in a low lying part of the garden uh, where the water tends to collect. And of course, it goes without saying full sun. So what in terms of fertile, would you um, would you suggest adding uh, a, a fertile compost or say uh, something like that for the for the garden every spring? Yes, always, always think about organic material every spring for all gardens. But roses, roses are what we call heavy feeders. So I, when I grow roses, it's full sun. It's like I say, well-drained soil that has been amended with some kind of organic material. And it might be if it was a tender rose and it was hilled for the winter with soil around or triple mix over the crown of the plant, then I pull that back in the spring, but I still leave it in the area of the roses. So that soil from winter protection is now still there providing, you know, organic matter, et cetera, through the, through the season. But when, when I do all my pruning of roses in the spring, I, I fertilize and I do use a synthetic rose food when I, cause they, uh, roses okay. like their fertilizer, <laughs> but okay. just the once I only do it once. Well, that's great advice. Thanks so much. It's just that I've never had any success. And I thought, well, why not ask the expert? 
<laughs> well, thank you, sir. Um, but you know what? There's so many different roses out there. You know, the ones particularly growing on their own roots tend to be the easiest to grow, but they also tend to become the biggest plants. So don't be afraid to prune. You know, get on those leather gauntlets in the spring and get in there and bring the plants to a reasonable size and make sure they're pruned to grow in an open form. Uh, and you'll have also better success with the sun and the air penetrating into the plants throughout the growing season. Right. Well, that's great. Thanks so much. I appreciate your help. Hey, my pleasure. Don't be a stranger. Thanks for the call there, James. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, So, Charlotte, we're going to go to our uh, (laughs) next call. (laughs) Charlotte being the long form of Charlie. Yes. Blame my mother. Okay. She named me Charlotte. And when I didn't turn out to be a little princess, she renamed me Charlie. (laughs) So, you know, I was Charlotte for two years of my life and I've been Charlie ever since. Absolutely. Well, you know what, Charlotte, Charlie, you're still the same person and you know all this wonderful (laughs) stuff about gardening. And here we go. We're going to the south, south of the border again. We're going to New York. We have Sam on the line. Welcome to the Garden Show, Sam. Hi, Charlie. Um, I got a question about germinating seeds. If I had a hybrid pepper, pepper, can I germinate the seed? Oh, like a pepper seed that you've saved? Yes. I, I was told by, by one of the farmers that if you take a hybrid uh, pepper, the, germ, the seeds will not germinate. Um, you know what? I think that that person's wrong. I think the seeds will germinate, but you may not get peppers that you want to eat on the plant. So that it's all about what we call breeding true. So it's when a, when a plant is hybridized, the parentage of the plant has obviously affected the genetics of the plant and the seeds that form after the cross-pollination and the peppers form and inside of the seeds. When we grow those seeds, we don't necessarily get the same pepper that we just enjoyed, you know, last season. Um, you'll ha- you'll get pepper plants. You'll get peppers. You know, assuming you've got lots of sun and good soil, etc. Um, but they might not be, you know, red bell peppers or whatever it is that you specifically were growing from. So uh-huh. we do tend to buy our pepper seeds, unless okay. you're growing old heritage varieties. Right. Okay. Yeah. I'm on my way to the Stoke store in Canada. <laughs> and you can mail order too. <laughs> can you can you tell me why if you order seeds from Stokes, it's sent to Buffalo, New York? No, I have no idea. Oh, through it goes through Buffalo, probably yes, because the it's, mailing it's address is PO Box Five Forty Eight, Buffalo, New York. I know where it is. It's on Walden Avenue in Buffalo. But you can't buy Stokes seeds in Buffalo. I don't know why. Um, well, you know, it's an <clears throat> agricultural products, they always have inspections that have to take place. There's a very <clears throat> real reason why we avoid um, just shipping plant material across borders, uh, oh, because okay. all kinds of problems have ensued with that. So it could be that they've got a warehouse and they ship out of Buffalo. I'm not sure I'd have to look into that. Or, or um, yeah, they, they use that way station, if you will, where the inspections take place before the seeds can move on. So I'm not positive. Yeah. All right. Thank you very much. Yeah. Keep up the good work. Hey, thank you. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Thank you so much for that uh, for that call, Sam. Well, lots of, well, this is the time of year, I guess, for propagating and planting and yeah. pulling those things out of the cellar. So it shouldn't be a surprise to any of us that that has been the, uh, a lot of the conversation today. 
Well, exactly. I know it's on my list to go downstairs, do a little inventory of my seeds, figure out what I've got down there, wash some of those dirty old planting (laughs) pots, et cetera, from last year and uh, start. I'm starting to get excited. I'm not seeding yet, but I do want to start making my my piles and my order in which I'm going to start seeding things because it's almost time to start really getting dirty. Yeah, well, I expect that this, again, will be uh, the the conversation uh, changes to this this time of year when the, s- the snow starts to recede and the big melt is upon us, as I call oh, it. Can't wait. Can't wait. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, indeed. And do you have any plans? Have you got anything that you're doing in your garden this week? Well, like I said, just uh, getting organized and yeah. fertilized. My house plants need to be fertilized. Uh, if that's always a good thing at this time of year. Gotcha. Thanks, everybody. Thanks to the great callers. Thanks, Dean. Thanks, Carlos. See you all again next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.